So it's always a great honor to receive words of wisdom. Lumpar, Liam's days now is pointing at wisdom. And so we, it's a common enough word in the English language, so that it, it uh, sometimes we think we understand it because we use it. But in Theravada Buddhism, Buddhist teaching is about is a wisdom teaching. It's for awakening the human being, so that wisdom can operate through our minds rather than ignorance. And of course, the the Buddhist teaching, having been ordained over fifty years now had a chance to uh, practice, read uh, the scriptures, and put it into practice. And then the result, because it's based on, on this, on uh, scriptural teaching, you get it from, this, from the Tripitaka, the, then uh, that leads to Bhattibhata, or practice, but make it work so that you, you're not just acquiring knowledge from scriptures, from books, from monks, from teachers. But the knowledge you acquire then, where, where's it pointing to? Where's the, where's the direction that it's pointing at? It's not pointing outward to, to a teacher, to a religion, to anything. It's pointing at the jitta, or consciousness itself. So you use a gesture of a, uh, looking inward, we take our hand and put it on, on, the, on the heart area to to get to awaken to the way things are, rather than just be caught up in in uh, the ignorant reactions we have to love and hate, like and dislike, approval, disapproval. Now, the thinking mind—we're all educated. Uh, people now that that have been trained in in modern techniques of of learn, learning of logic and reason, using our languages to to think about what heaven, hell, good, bad, right, and wrong are. So we 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 developed a discriminatory ability. Uh, modern humanity is 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 full of discriminations of preferring one thing over another. Uh, that's why we have so much conflict within ourselves, with, within families, within nations, internationally. This conflict comes from thinking. 
and being attached to thought without wisdom. So it's wisdom that's lacking, um, that, that is the very essence, the, the heart of the Buddha's teaching. And to recognize wisdom, it's, it's natural wisdom. It's not, it doesn't belong to, to any group of people or any one religion. It's universal wisdom. So that is available to us. It's our inheritance. But how do you, how do you get to it? How do you open to that universal wisdom? And so we, we study philosophy, we get more information from books, from teachers, some of it very good, some of it not very good. <clears throat> but the, this, the word that Lung uh, Lim uh, emphasized, mindfulness, Satisampatanya, this has become a common word now, and here in, in the UK, when I came, over 30, 40 years ago to live in the UK. Uh, mindfulness was a you know, common enough word in English language, but people didn't, didn't see the significance of it. It's more or less like paying attention when you're crossing the street, looking right and then looking left, or looking at the red or green light to be mindful uh, so you don't uh, end up killing yourself. But mindfulness in, in the Buddhist context isn't just being mindfulness of, of when the life's in danger or of, of objects, but awareness, mindfulness of the way things are. So we open no longer <clears throat> just to, towards uh, particular objects, but to life itself, to the the state of consciousness that we're experiencing. So ask yourself right now, what, what are, you know, the, the, the sure, the one fact you can be absolutely sure of at this very moment in sitting here in Amravati Temple is that you're conscious. And so this is, this is a kind of truism, matter of fact, statement. Anybody here not conscious? <laughs> and then what is consciousness? This is another big subject of inquiry in these days. What is, what is consciousness? And in science, in psychology, psychiatry, you know, it's, it's a subject that people keep trying to define, to, to try to get, uh, get some view of it through definition. They think that you can define consciousness and, and make it, it, it with words, with language, with concepts. But with mindfulness as our way of relating to this present moment, it's not about definition or description. It's about awakening. My consciousness is like this. This is consciousness. This, this natural state of awareness. <clears throat> so with the Buddhist teaching, uh, he takes us, the, the, what I see is a very unique to, to Buddhism and, 
and kind of brilliant approach of the Buddha. His first sermon after his enlightenment was the Dhammajaka Pavatana Sutta. And he takes suffering, dukkha, which nobody wants. All of us try to, to run away from it, find happiness. And he puts it in a context, raises it up as a noble truth. Now, this is quite interesting. To me, I found this very interesting years ago, especially when you're having to explain Buddhist teaching to to people in a, in a country that isn't Buddhist. You think, why? You, you know, other religions talk about God and love and and very high-minded uh, kind of concepts, and they inspire the mind. Like when you talk, when you know, in theistic religions, you inspire people through through the concepts of love and and universal goodness and and a, and a deity that that loves and has compassion and these what does that do to your to your conscious state of mind you know what are these high minded terms we create what do they do and of course they what i found with me is they inspire the mind so inspiration you become aware of inspiration is like this it is a state of mind that that you can't sustain. You can't just live on inspiration. So instead of taking something inspiring as as his first sermon, the Buddha took what is not inspiring at all and made it into a noble truth. Because dukkha or suffering is is an ordinary experience to every one of us. It's not special that some people suffer and others don't. It, whether you're rich or poor, male or female, whatever nationality, race, or ethnic background you identify with, it's pretty much the same thing from ancient India to, to this very moment here in the temple in Amaravati. What's noble about it? Because before I used to, before I ever meditated, I used to think suffering is a, is a nasty fact of life. And I, when I was a boy, I, used, I was brought up as a Christian. I used to think, if I were God, I would have n never created suffering. That's a child's mind, isn't it? Because we don't want to suffer. And God is the creator of everything, so he created suffering. Why? Why, why is there suffering? And so suffering, or dukkha, is, is, is a noble truth rather than something we should try to get rid of, blame on some, some, something else, somebody else. And to understand dukkha, we have to accept the, this feeling of insecurity, of anger, of fear, of desire, uh, uh, all the different forms, qualities that, that suffering can manifest in our consciousness, we, we change from seeing it as something to get rid of, so something to blame uh, others for, or to blame ourselves for, into seeing it as 
a, a noble truth because this realm that we're living in, the sense realm that we we uh, are experiencing at this very moment, it's very nature's change, and and out of ignorance, the ignorant mind, the ignorant conscious human being, uh, is trying to find stability in what's unstable, trying to find certainty, certainty in what is uncertain, wanting to find permanent, permanent happiness in, in that which very nature is to change, and it doesn't change from happiness to more happiness. That's what we'd like, isn't that? That's what I'd like it to be. You reach happiness and you get happier as you go on. But I'm not condemning happiness, but happiness as a, as a noble truth, that's what we want. It creates desire. We want more of it. We can't get enough of it. Suffering is... We don't want it at all. We want to get rid of it and get away from it as soon as possible. So that's what's what the, the noble intention of a human individual, to, to be willing to suffer, to look at suffering, no longer in terms of trying to get rid of it or blame it on anybody. But if suffering is like this, you awaken to it, you understand it. It's the nature of this realm. It's very nature because uh, we all have to, you know, the, the future is uncertain. We get old, we get sick, we, we die. We have to, before we die, we have to lose loved ones separated from the loved. It's the common human experience. So there's, there's nothing... We're not trying to annihilate suffering, but to understand it. And this is where wisdom, or panya, uh, manifests in, in our conscious experience of life. It's the discerning ability to, to know that they, the thoughts we have, the emotions, the sensory experiences, seeing, Hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling, mood, happiness, unhappiness, and so forth. They all have this, they're all, you know, no matter what they are, whether they're grand and far away or internal and near, minute, they all are impermanent. And this ability to observe impermanence is, is consciousness. Consciousness undefined, un, unassumed in any personal way. It's natural. It has no boundary. That's why you can't define consciousness, because it, you define conditioned phenomena. You can define, you know, things with shape and form, and you can give them qualities and approval ratings and so forth. But consciousness, because you are that, you're, you're, that's what you are at this very moment. The thought you have in the mind, the body that you're experiencing, is not wise. 
So its nature is to, because it begins, it ends. You get, you're, you're born, you get old and die. Uh, what you see changes. You can't, you can't just see something beautiful and, and, and hold that forever. So seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling, all emotional experience, the feeling, sensitive realm that we're experiencing is witnessed with this sati-sampajanya, mindfulness. And that's what has not been developed in the, in the Western world. It's very hard, you know, now there, there's an interest in it. And there's mindfulness retreats, mindfulness, uh, you hear the word all the time. And uh, which is, some people think it's been overused, but uh, considering it, that it hasn't been, it's been underused most uh, of the passing centuries, I think a little indulgence in mindfulness might be a good thing. And <laughs> we hope that, uh, you know, because it does lead onward as we, we start out just on a personal level, it leads beyond the personality. Consciousness has no personality. It isn't personal. There's not a female consciousness or male consciousness. Or it's a one consciousness. And just contemplate that in terms of of the reality of this moment, it connects us all when we see the the common common reality. It's, we're not making it up. We're not. It's not some kind of theory. But it is impersonal. You can't. You know, to become Ajahn Sumato, I have to start thinking I'm Ajahn Sumato. If I was just pure consciousness, awareness, mindfulness. It's like this. I don't, I don't deny Ajahn Sumedho or or claim it. But that is pretty soon the the title, the name Ajahn Sumedho becomes merely a convention <clears throat> for communication on the worldly level. But it's not bound up in wisdom, and not a, a an identity that one clings to. It's merely a a a convention that one uses uh, when the time for such a use arises. So I used to, in the early days, I found uh, the, uh, when I contemplated the Four Noble Truths, and the three characteristics, Anicca, Dukkha, Nata, I used to, I, you know, the teacher I had before I, 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 my first meditation teacher was when I was a layman living in Bangkok at Wat Mahatat. And, and so they, they emphasized in that Vipassana style of teaching, the impermanence, Anicca. So I did a lot of contemplating of Anicca, which I found quite, you know, insightful. 
because it's quite obvious, you know, just through observing, awakening to seeing or hearing or, you know, you start listening to sounds and you realize how impermanent they are. Where before I listened to music or sounds or people speaking and, and I never, never once thought of it as impermanent in any significant way. But when you're, when you're doing, investigating the senses, you're, you're really looking at the way it is. Every sound passes very quickly. It arises and ceases, and every thought, every, uh, through, or through the seeing or hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. So you begin to, to notice the obvious with, uh, in, in meditation. You're awakening to, to the most obvious truths that are with us all the time, but never register, we never uh, take a, take, consider them in any serious way till we start practicing meditation develop, or cultivating mindfulness. But the, the third characteristic, Anicca Dukkha Anatta, Anatta was, was a great mystery to me because I kept thinking to myself, there is a subject here, you know, that is thinking, that, that is a conscious, a subject, a separate, and uh, that, that's knowing uh, the, the, suff- the noble truth, it knows the first noble truth is dukkha. And that suffering must, you know, and the only, only way I could describe it was, uh, was like it was me. It was, at that time, my name wasn't Ajahn Sumato, but it was, it was mine. And so this sense of a, a self as a subject became quite interesting to me. <clears throat> then when I, uh, the first year, I ordained as a Samanera in Nongkai. I did a lot of meditation in the in uh, in a meditation monastery there. And then following year, I ordained, took the high ordination, went to uh, Wapapong, to Ajahn Chah. And he 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 gave me the mantra Puto Puto the the knowing. And somehow just that simple. Uh, it's the, it's actually the the Buddha's name, the Buddha. It's the knowing consciousness, knowing itself. It's it's knowing with wisdom rather than knowing all about wise uh, concepts and philosophies. So in in. Uh, it gave me something to to reflect upon the Puto mantra as a as a technique to remind myself and if you keep doing this and keep uh, con- uh, you know contemplating reflecting on the way things are that awareness combined with wisdom then the insight the insights into the noble truths happens. It's quite natural. So, you know, the, this 
like the Buddha taking something nobody wants, taking something very ordinary rather than high, high up and and uh, ethereal. Dukkha is 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 just the ordinary ordinary experience that we all share in our daily lives, and using that, using that ordinariness rather than seeing meditation as special, attaining a high state. Like many of us, when we started meditation, we wanted to attain high states. You wanted to get high, kind of blissed out into a a realm where you don't suffer anymore. And uh, this, of course, is the desire to, to be happy, to to get something you don't have. And all this is, is part of the noble truths, is learning to, to awaken to desire, to the desire to attain, to get something you don't have. Ambition, desire to, to, for success, desire for security. Desire for stability, for affection, for fame, for whatever. Something you don't have in meditation of them desire to attain, to desire to become enlightened is still a desire. And so desire, the second noble truth, is, is the reflection, getting to, to really observe, witness through satisambhajanya, through mindfulness, the nature of desire. Desire is a sankhara, it's a nicha dukkhanata, it's not self, it's, it's natural to this realm, this is a desire realm that we're living in, and so, and so it's not to be annihilated or to be uh, suppressed, but to be known, it's like this, sensual desire, desire for becoming, desire to get rid of what you don't like. It's spelled out so clearly that, that we're not trying to, to destroy desire, but to, to understand suffering, to, through that understanding of suffering, we become aware of desire, our attachment to desires, and the insight is to let go. Letting go of desire. So this lead onwards, so if you, as you develop that, that practice of letting go of desire, you experience, you begin to awaken to the absence of desire. Pure conscious awareness with no desire is like this. So that's the neuroda, the, the end of suffering the cessation of suffering. And from there, the, the path, the machima bhattibhata, the way to, to live our lives in this realm, the lifespan that we have left, letting, allowing wisdom to be our guide rather than ignorant habits and fears and desires. So on this day of Visakha Puja, it is, um, I said this morning, 
the birth enlightenment death of, of, of the Buddha birth and death are what natural that's the nature of all sankaras the nature of all conditions that's or the, the everything has a beginning and an ending if it has a beginning it has an ending if it's born it must die and enlightenment then what is that when we talk about and the buddha's enlightenment is is knowing this not through grasping Buddhist ideas, but through investigation that's so clearly laid out in the Buddhist uh, scriptural teaching. So I'll stop here and hope that that this has inspired you <laughs> enough to to recognize the significance of this particular teaching of, of the Buddha. It's not just uh, you know, a cultural condition. And it's not just a tradition for tradition itself. It's, you know, he really, the Buddha understood the very nature of human suffering, uh, you know, 2,560 years ago and left a tradition behind that could carry the teaching on to this present moment. So as you began to contemplate, you know, the, the wisdom involved in this particular uh, religion, Theravada Buddhism, and especially like from my experience having trained with uh, Lung Po Cha in Thailand, you know, he, was a, he knew what he was talking about. He wasn't just an ordained monk out of custom, you know, just following the Thai tradition, but he actually practiced the Dhamma to have the insight. So this is available to every one of us. So I want to encourage you all and to to trust this and develop accordingly. Andamayang Ovadakata Sadukarang Dadama Se Sadu Sadu Santo, ah.